the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. We're going to start a new series today. Many of you have seen it on Facebook. I've been advertising it. The new series is going to be called Joyfully Married. And all you couples are to be excited about this. All these empty chairs are the people that saw that and said, I don't need that. You know. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that we all need your word in every area of our lives. And if, if, if it's applied to marriage, we know that, Father, you can take those same principles and apply it to wherever we're at, whether we married or even ever plan to be married. I thank you, Father, that you're going to Open our eyes to some things. Lord, we just pray over our marriages in this church. Without this, the foundation of strong marriages, we won't have a church. This is, we won't have a society, Lord. And we see what's happening in society. Father God, I just pray that every person in this, with the sound of my voice, will ever hear this tape, or ever hear this podcast, Lord, will understand the importance of marriage. And, and to be faithful in marriage and to do all that we can to strengthen our, our family through the gracious gift of marriage that you've given us. Lord, help me be your mouthpiece today. Help me to teach. Help me to slow down and say the things that need to be said. And Lord, help us receive it with gladness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 13.4 Hebrews 13, 4 says, give honor to marriage. You know what honor is, right? You hold it in high esteem, in high regard. You do things that honor marriage. Marriage is important. God says, give honor to marriage. Marriage is not a light thing, as we'll find out. Marriage is a very precious thing to the Lord. So give honor to marriage. And it goes on to say, and remain faithful to one another in marriage. So if you are married, remain faithful to one another in marriage. Like I said, we're starting a new series called Joyfully Married. And today, if you're filling out the blanks on your sheet there and you want to know today's sermon title, it's part one, Wait for Me. Wait for Me. Why are you rolling your eyes? How many of you in here are married? How many of you? Angie, you better wave your hand. <laughs> Something I didn't know about. How many of you, if you're not married, you maybe want to be married one day or you would be interested in being married one day? All right, look around, see who has hands up. <clears throat> uh, and anybody else who's not interested or whatever, the Bible, Paul says that, you know, God has given certain people the gift of celibacy, but for all the rest of us, we need to get married <laughs> so we don't burn with lust, okay? It is a gift, and there are legitimately people who say, I don't want to be married. Uh, 
the Lord is all that I need and God can complete you, absolutely. There's not a necess- you don't necessarily have to be married. It doesn't have to be the main focus of your life. Jesus always needs to be the main focus of your life. But if it's something that you want to do, you're in the right place. If it's something you don't want to do, like I said, you're still in the right place. Don't be, don't, next week, don't come in here. I'm in all purple chairs in here because I'm talking about marriage and you're not married. That's not the way it works. All right. Who saw the original Rocky movie? More hands than is married in here. I think it came out in what, 1976? 19, somewhere, I would have been, what, 10 or 11 years old, but I remember seeing that movie, had me all hyped up. I came home, I was, went to my grandfather's house after the movie, ran around the barn singing the Rocky theme, you know, doing this number here, got my grandpa to weld me some old pieces of scrap metal to make me some dumbbells, you know, and for two or three days, I was working out hard, and I was all excited and hyped up about Rocky. And then whenever the next Rocky II came out, I went to see it, and I was like, huh. Not quite as good, was it? Then Rocky III, I watched it, and I said, that's the last one I'm going to. And I was just a kid. I mean, it wasn't no good. Then Rocky IV, I don't even, there were some Rockies that I don't even know if we've recorded yet. There was a lot of Rockies. And so I just stopped watching the Rockies. They became uh, not worth watching, be honest. I think it's because Hollywood does market research. And they probably said, okay, we had a big blockbuster success with the first ones. Let's, let's poll people and see what they liked about it so we can make another one and make more money. And so the people probably said, I love the fight scene at the end. Right? Oh, I love the part where he was working out with the, the music, you know, and he was running and, and, and all the, the workout scenes. I love that. And so that's what every subsequent Rocky movie became. It became about fight after fight and and workout sequences, and they became robotic. But the one thing that they left out, which caused them not to be near as good as the first one, which was a really good movie, they left out character building. You know, to really to have a good movie, you got to develop the characters within the movie. To have a fight scene worth watching, you got to care about the person who's fighting. Am I making sense? They left out all of that. And so then they left out the relationship part. You know, the part with him and what's his wife's name? Adrian. You know, that came kind of lame. The, the character uh, building was just shot. And there was no relationship in the movie. I mean, the subsequent movies didn't build the characters the way uh, the, the original did. And I think that's what people in society are, try to do, too. I think it's just human nature. We want to find out what's the best part, and we want to go straight for that. You know, we don't want to eat the, the broccoli and the, the beef. We want to go straight to the dessert. What's the good part in life? People want to have sex without the relationships. They want to have children without the commitment. Some of them just want to run down to the, the bank, so to speak. <laughs> and, and they just <laughs> they just want to have the best parts of life without the messy parts of life because relationships can be messy. 
and, and learning to care about people is putting your heart out there. And, and sometimes we don't want to take the risk. We just want the rewards. Am I preaching to anybody? Amen. We want to get married because we got this hormonic, that's my own word, hormones, hormonic feeling going on that I'm in love. And that's a real thing. When you first meet somebody, you have that in love feeling, you know, and all your hormones are excited and everything. But how many knows if you've been married any amount of time, that goes away. And you must replace that with a real, more substantive kind of love. I'm making up words left and right. Okay, you're writing me a dictionary. All right, so we'll get, get everybody a copy some for next week of the dictionary, a new word, substantive. But really, you know, that in love feeling is great, but after that, you're going to have to work hard, you know, to make the relationship work. But love isn't just a feeling. Love is an action. Love is something you live out. Some love you have to work for to keep it alive. And so it gets better, but you have to work for it. And so, so many people, they want to just get to that in love part. And then when, oh, two years after the honeymoon, it's like, I don't, I'm not in love anymore. And I'm certainly not going to stand around and pick up your dirty underwear. I'm out of here. <laughs> and so that's why everybody's scats, you know, they're gone. They leave their relationships. Some people don't even go that far. They just turn to pornography all by themselves. They don't have to commit to anybody. No interaction, no relationships. And that's what society is boiling down to. Can we just get the best parts of everything? But we don't realize what the best parts really are. If you eat sugarish stuff all the time, sugarish, that's another one. Sugarish stuff all the time, then it don't even taste sweet to you anymore. You know what I'm talking about. Can I get you to put up what I have entitled... Photo number one. Picture number one, I'm sorry. Now, does anybody know who that might be? Who? It's you? That's me, that's me. With that big old fish. How many, <laughs> I many see that big old fish? I didn't catch it, my dad caught it, but I was just glad to be holding it. And you know, at that age, man... Life was a wonder. I was so excited. I, I wasn't even thinking what I was going to be next. I was just ready to wake up and play the next day. You know, I'm thinking, I'm going to fish forever with my daddy. One day I'm going to be catching fish this big. I, had, I was just so innocent and pure and trusting and just believing that the world, like Rocky says, is full of rainbows and sunshine. And nothing scared me about it. I was just innocent like a child. Can I get picture number two? That's not me. That's my wife, Angie, when she was little. Innocent, thinking one day she's going to grow up and, and get a new dress, and she's going to, a white dress, and get married to the, uh, some knight in shining armor, and, and they're going to ride off into the sunset. To, how'd that work out for you? <laughs> she's, she's thinking... You know, she's just a little kid. She's got, she watches 
you know, Disney princesses and all that stuff. She got all these things in her heart. Just the whole world out in front of her. Man, what's going to stop her? But see, the picture of me was right before my parents got a divorce. And the picture of Angie, well, that's a little bit after her parents got a divorce. How many knows the real world will hit you? I mean, you're, you're not going to stay innocent and pure for very long. There's going to be situations that arises beyond your control. Some of them, some of them you control, but you just <laughs> lost control. And things begin to happen, and we begin to be broken people. We begin to be jaded. We begin to lose hope. We be lose sight of the dreams that we had as little children. Our innocence is gone. We begin to be those people that just want to get to the good part, or some of us just check out and say, there ain't no good part. I'm just existing. And all of us are in some shape or form that was not God's original intention because of the sin in this world and the wages of it. But how many knows that God looks down back in 1970, 80, whatever that picture is, and He sees that little red-headed girl, and He sees that little fishing boy, and He loves them, and He wants to take care of them, and He's thinking to Himself, when they grow up one day, I can't imagine them not being together, not helping one another in this life. God looked down and said, it's not good for them to be apart. Are you getting what I'm saying? You getting a picture of it? Same way he said in Genesis 2.18. It says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Why? Have you ever been to a bachelor pad? <laughs> They don't know what they're doing. It's not good for man to be alone. Believe me. I've been alone for periods of my life, and it wasn't good. It's, God knew it. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper that is just right for him. He looked at these pictures, and he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to raise them up, and I'm going to put them together so that they can do life together. I'm going to make a helper for each other. And I was thinking about how he gave Adam Eve, you know. And I was thinking he must have did it to, to heal Adam's brokenness. And I, I was as I was thinking along these lines. But no, do you remember that there was no sin at the time that God gave Eve to Adam? That was before sin. Adam was already whole. Why did he give Eve to Adam? He said it's not good that he be alone. It was to solve the loneliness problem. Now some of you are saying, well, I'm one of those ones that said, I don't care about getting married and I'm not going to get married, whatever. I want you to be assured of this, that God will never leave you or forsake you. You are never alone. You are complete in God. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I know it's in there. All right. Right before the Song of Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. It says, 
Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Isn't it good to have some help in this life? Anybody that's done any yard work, isn't it good to have somebody weed eat while you mow? When you, somebody cooked the meal and then somebody else do the dishes, isn't it good to... Angie's like, well, I've never seen you do that. I paid for the meal, no. Whoa! <laughs> See, I'm showing you what not to do today. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. Moving on. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. We're all going to need help at some point in our life. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. How can one be warm alone? And I can tell you right now, I'm the warmest guy in this room. I've got an electric wife. You might have an electric blanket. I've got an electric wife. My favorite thing in the whole wide world is to come home and snuggle Angie. Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. See, your, your spouse should have your back. They shouldn't let things sneak up on you and then laugh at you and point at you. They should be back there and say, no, you're not touching my spouse. I got you back. It says three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You and me, baby, with Jesus in the middle. Jesus is that rock which our marriage is built. He's the third part of it. He's the most important part of it. Jesus loves strong ties. Jesus loves long-lasting relationships. Jesus is what makes a marriage work. Can I get that uh, marriage wheel? The marriage wheel. Now, y'all might remember the last couple of weeks we had the discipleship wheel, right? Well, this is the marriage wheel. Okay, when you get married, you're supposed to help each other know God. And as you both learn, like I said, no, uh, none of this happens unless you know God. Once you know God, you help each other know God, then you begin to work out those issues. Remember those little kids, the little boy and that little girl that grew up and had all these, this brokenness inside and, and this uh, confusion and all these things? Well, you help one another to find freedom. And as the little boy and the girl start to get freedom, they begin to discover there's more to life. And they discover their purpose. And they help one another discover their purpose so that they can both make a difference. That thing looks strangely familiar. But it's the same principle as discipleship. And I just wanted to make that point. But it's good not to be alone in these processes. That you don't have to go through it alone. Mark chapter 8, verse 7 says, This explains why a man leaves his father and a mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. First of all, that's when a young boy becomes a man, when he leaves his father and mother and goes out and becomes the man of his own house. Right? That's when he grows up. That's when he takes on the responsibilities. And he... he the two become one. 
Now, not physically, but there's what you call soul ties. When you fall in love with somebody, when you, when you do other things with people, you're creating soul ties. See, God, is, God knew what he was doing, and God was very specific about why you should remain a virgin until you get married. Why marriage is only allowed within the covenant vows of, I mean, why sex is only allowed within the bonds of marriage. God knew what he was doing because you become one with that person. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. You see, when you said, I do, it was a covenant before Almighty God. You said, I do, so help me, God. And when you did, God joined you together as one person. Two individuals, but one person. Sort of like the, the Holy Trinity. We don't understand how they're Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. and They're three individuals, but they're one God. But you and your wife became one when you said, I do, before God. And the way God puts you together, you can't just easily break that apart. It says, let no man put asunder what God has joined together. Let nobody come in there and try to pull you apart because you can't do it now. You may pull it apart, but it's going to be all broken and jagged because you're, you're missing parts of yourself now. And divorce is a very horrendous process. It's a pulling apart of something that's not supposed to come apart. Genesis 2.22 says that the woman was taken out of the man. Do you remember Adam fell into a deep sleep and God reached into his chest and broke off a rib and pulled it out and he made Eve. And that's why the girl said to Tom Cruise, you complete me when they come back together. But she was wrong. No, God completes us. But a spouse can sure help put you back together. The spouse is... It's crucial in God's plan for society. Men and women we're, we're obviously different. We look different. We think different. Made different. Thank you. I mean, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the feminists say, that they can do everything a man can do, but why would you want to be like a man? You were made to be different. Opposites attract. Why would you want to make yourself like a man? Just be the best version of you you can be. Stop fighting against God's natural laws and against God's natural plan. We're made different, but we're made to complement each other. A woman is different from you because she can do the things you can't do and you can do the things she can't do. And when you come together, you make a one that... that that, that gets it done. Say, get her done. Look at your spouse. Say, baby, you what I need. Baby, you know what I need. Oh, baby, you. <laughs> you got what I need. <laughs> you like the macaroni to my cheese. <laughs> You like the hugs to my kisses. <laughs> like the key to my lock. 
you like the amplifier to my electric guitar. <laughs> yeah, we making some noise, baby. Beautiful music. But see, some people say, well, I'm a guitar, I'm an electric guitar, but I want to like another electric guitar. Well, that don't make no music. If you're an amplifier, you say, well, I don't, want, I, I, I don't like electric guitars. I like amplifier. I like another amplifier. It don't make any music. See, God defines what marriage is. God is the creator. He'll be long, here long past the Supreme Court's gone. God says what marriage is. And God says marriage is between a man and a woman. Till death do you part. Amen? Amen? And children don't need two guitars as a parent. Children need maybe nurture from the amplifier and direction from the guitar. They need the strengths of the guitar and the amplifier to be a whole person. Am I making any sense? A man and a woman is the only union that can be fruitful and multiply. And that's what God designed from the beginning and told us to do. Most of the ills in our society can be tracked back to the breakdown of family in America. And mostly to the breakdown of marriages in America. We lost sight of the importance of marriage. We became so selfish that we feel like we always owe ourselves another choice. But we don't want to face the consequences of our original choice. We just want to act like it didn't happen and move on. We want to be able to, to kill our baby so it doesn't cramp our style. Your original choice was you should have chose not to have sex before you was ready to have a baby. Don't shout me down. We want to be able to leave our spouse when they don't make us happy anymore. Think we're just going to move on. Like that, that choice, it, it's, it's greener on the other side. I can't live like this. I can't do this anymore. All these things we justify. That sounds like a lot of self-talking. They don't make me happy anymore. Well, sadly, in America, you do have that choice. You can get a divorce. You can abort your baby. But it is not without consequences. With eternal consequences. It's not without generational consequences. That little boy and that little girl up there were never the same after the divorces that happened in our families. There's things, there's issues in my life right now. I look back, I can attribute it right to that day I was sitting at the table with my mom and dad when they told me that they weren't going to live together anymore. And I cried and cried and thought it was my fault. Decisions that we make carry consequences. We can choose, but we can't choose the consequences of our decisions. And you need to think long and hard about the importance of your marriage. 
and the sanctity of life. God takes it so seriously. Ephesians 5.31, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Didn't we just read that? Yes, but it was in another place because God reemphasizes it in several chapters. Then he says, this is a great mystery, but an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. See, it was so important. Marriage was such the pride and joy of the Lord that he said, I'm going to use it as an example of how I love the church. And when a man grows tired of his wife and divorces her and goes off, that's a terrible picture. Especially a Christian. Of what Jesus originally intended. He wanted the world to see, this is how I love you. How I'm willing to lay down my life for the church. And you're supposed to lay down your life for your wife. And we wonder what's going on in society because even the Christians have, have bought into the lie that it's just, just everything's disposable. Even babies. They're disposable. We just get another one later when we're ready. We'll get another marriage when I find the one that makes me feel in love again. I know I'm hitting you pretty hard. Verse 33 says, So I say again, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. See, the woman wants love. And the man wants respect. And we got to give it to get it. God doesn't take the covenant vows we make before him lightly. I know I'm hitting you up some, some tough stuff today. This is the, the foundational message of this series. So I got to set some things straight so we know where we're going from here. So when we talk about other things later on, we know how important they are. Turn to Malachi chapter 2. That's the one right before Matthew where the New Testament begins. Malachi chapter 2. Verse 14, God takes these covenants. You think you're going to stand up before a priest or a, a preacher or somebody, even if it was the justice or the peace, you think you're going to make a covenant before God and he's just going to say, oh, well, they don't feel the same as they did back then. <coughs> Malachi, the prophet, he says to the people, you cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I mean, I'm going to church. I'm... I'm giving to the church. I'm doing good things. Why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? He says, I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her. Though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? Here he is reminding us. The two shall become one. Didn't he make you one with your wife? Are you crazy? What are you trying to do? In body and spirit, you are His. You are God's. And what does He want? Godly children from your union. See, this is how society is supposed to be carried on. We're supposed to be producing godly children, but the, the world is producing ungodly children. Or teaching them to be ungodly. There's no ungodly children, but he's teaching. we're teaching them to be ungodly. So guard your heart and remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Verse 16, this is God. For I hate divorce. With an exclamation point. 
I don't know how stronger he can make it. I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do, do not be unfaithful to your wife. What did he say? How do we not be unfaithful to our wife? We guard our hearts. You think it's a light thing that you're looking at pornography when your wife ain't around? Is that guarding your heart or is that messing your mind up and heading you down a road you don't want to go down? Ruining the beautiful thing you had with your wife and entering in thoughts that this makes it ungodly? Boy, some of y'all wishing y'all weren't here today, I bet. Guard your heart so you can be faithful to your spouse. Guard your heart. That, that's for women too. Don't be on Facebook looking up old boyfriends from high school. Guard your hearts so that you can be faithful. Kirk Cameron said in the movie Fireproof, he kept saying it over and over, you never leave your partner behind. Anybody ever seen that movie Fireproof? If you got troubles in your marriage, I would suggest that you go watch that movie. That is an excellent movie. It's called Fireproof with Kirk Cameron. It's a really good movie. Show me picture number four. No, I'm skipping three. I was going to show you something on three, but I changed my mind. Uh-oh, how'd that get up there? Number five. Okay, number four. That's me and Angie on our wedding day. We didn't have a clue. We did not have a clue. Picture number five. There's a lady beside us. I'm not sure who that is. That's my mama. What, how, what are you doing in that picture? <laughs> that was a long time ago. But, but look at me and Angie. We were still those little kids that you saw in those other pictures. We were just now carrying along more baggage with us, more weight, more brokenness. And God was saying, I'm going to put you two together so that you can do this life together, so, so that you can be helpmeets for one another. You can help her meet her needs and, and she can help you meet your goals and your, your vision for your life. That's the only difference. Still two broken people. And God's trying to help us mend. Show me picture number six. Now I've told this story before, but a good story is a good story and I'll just tell them again so you just have to work with me here. But at our wedding... The only thing I did right, well, I can't even take credit for that. It was me and Angie's decision. We, we found a song that was a good song. Uh, and so we danced to it, and it was our song. And you can see Angie's tearing up there, and she, she's taking this whole thing pretty serious. <clears throat> me? <laughs> me, I was like, can we get this reception over? I want to get to the honeymoon. That's all I had on my mind, the honeymoon, you know. 
The whole thing, I was rushing. I told the preacher to hurry up. I said, don't, don't drag this thing out. Let's say thy do's and go, okay? I was telling, at the rehearsal dinner, I was telling the bridesmaids, y'all hurry up and get on down here. You know, the, priest, the preacher was supposed to tell them how to come and wait, and I said, no, forget all that. Y'all just come on down, get up here, we get this over with. I was trying to rush it along as much as I could. But we had picking, picking this song. There's another song. Or we had picking this song. <laughs> and it was by Bruce Springsteen. It's called, If I Should Fall Behind. And it goes, just one verse says, We said we'd walk together, darling, come what may. That come the twilight, should we lose our way. And as we're walking, our hands should slip free. I'll wait for you. And if I should fall behind, wait for me. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful picture of the way it's supposed to be? How we're supposed to wait for one another? So the way, way it worked was, somebody said, it's time for you to dance with the bride. And I said, okay, gather everybody up. And I got out on the dance floor, and I got my brother, and I gave him the big jam box, and I said, push number four or whatever. And I got over and said, hey, everybody, gather around. It's time for me to dance with the bride. This is this how abrupt I was in the day. I was, ready, I was rushing this thing on. I said, uh, this is a song that me and Angie both like. Uh, listen to the words. It means something to us. Hit it, Heath. And I pointed to Heath, and he said, <laughs> and that's where we were right there when I, after I said, hit it, Heath. <laughs> Am I lying? That's exactly the way it happened. But you would think after that song and everything that this life would be grand. I mean, she had the prettiest dress. She was the prettiest girl. What more could I want in the whole wide world? I had it made, but just four scant years later, we were on the verge of giving up on each other. Four years later, that in love feeling had, had drifted away, and it was about what can you do for me? And that's when we came to this church, probably 20 years ago. We came to straighten out our marriage, to see if somebody could help us, to give it one last chance. We came to this church for some help with our marriage, but we found Jesus. And we found the help. We found Jesus at this church a little over 20 years ago. And that... The love, all of a sudden, I'm forgiven, and I begin to forgive Angie, she began to forgive me, and God brought us back together, and since then, we've been on fire. For the last 20 years, we've been on fire. Growing closer and closer together, we have gotten past that have to be in love. We have gone through the seasons together, no matter what life brings. If I'm, if I'm falling behind, she's waiting for me. And, and if she's falling behind, I'm going back and get her. We're coming through this together. But I'll tell you some things we have found out. That marriage will test everything that you learn about God. Everything that God says for you to do, you'll have to do it in marriage. Because it's hard. Staying married is hard. You have, to, you have to actually practice these things that you learn at church on your spouse. <laughs> but marriage should not be about self. And that's the hardest thing for people 
is self. We just want it, we want them to please us. It's all about me. But no, marriage is about making each other's dreams come true. And I can't say that emphatic enough. If you want your marriage to work, stop saying what's in it for me. I'm not getting what I want. She's not cooking right, or he's not cleaning right, or this and that. They're not doing their part. They, 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 you, you, you. Marriage is not a game where you keep score. Unless you want to keep score of who's adding the most to the love bank, who's doing the most for you, but you don't keep score about the things that they're doing against you or, or you perceive that they're doing or not doing. Don't keep score because it'll add up quick. It'll overwhelm you. Give each other a break. Stop counting your sins against each other. You've heard that marriage is a 50-50 proposition. 60-40. He's negotiating marriage here. I'm going to say like this, just so we cover it. I understand what you're saying. But marriage is not 50-50 and you meet in the middle. Marriage is you give 100, they give 100. Because there's going to be some days that they're only giving 20 and you're going to need to make the slack up. You want to know what's 50-50? Divorce is 50-50. They say 50% of marriages in America end in divorce. That's 50-50. But not the marriages that are given a hundred hundred. You give all that you have to the marriage. If for nothing else, for God's sake. Because love is not taking records of wrongs. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and find out what love is. Love believes the best. When they're they're only giving, they ain't giving anything. I'm still gonna give a hundred. Because that's who I am. And that's what love does. And Y'all not even listening. Men, your job is to make your princess's fairy tale come true. Do you understand that? It's more blessed to give and receive anyway. That's what makes, gives you joy. It's to see their dreams come true. And, and I saw some... Some nudges going, you hear that, huh? But ladies, you're to make your husband feel like that knight in shining armor and to help him conquer his dreams and visions. You're his helpmeet to help him see the man that he's supposed to be. We're all just these little boys and our wives are supposed to continually be feeding us and showing us respect so that we can see. You say, well, my husband, he don't do nothing. He, does, he messes up. Well, that's probably because that's the way you treat him. He's risen, risen to the level of your disbelief in him. Same way with your wife. You say, my wife, well, she's, she's ugly. She's not the... You made her ugly. The way you speak over her. Your marriage is going to be what you put into it. And you need to give 100%. I know you warriors... This is good for you guys. 
Probably be rather be here with your wife right now, but it's good for you. Because see, what you do isn't dependent on what they do. You do your best. If they're not doing their part, that's their problem. That's between them and God. But you got to do what you do. You want his love, ladies? Earn it. Men, you want their respect? Earn it. Live a life worthy of it. Rise to the level of what you want out of them. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to help you, men. Her desire to meet your needs stems directly from your actions to meet hers. I'm going to say that again. Guys, you're going to thank me for this. Her desire to meet your needs stems directly from your actions to meet hers. You say, well, I, I, I don't know what her needs are. Shame on you. That's your job. You're supposed to know what your wife's needs are. You're supposed to know what her longings are. You're supposed to spend time in communication to find these things out so that you can be a better husband. We can only do our part. That's true. But most times, just doing our part will elicit the response that we really want. And it may not be overnight. Some of you are saying, I'm going to try this for a week and see if they change. <laughs> no. If it takes 15 years and you just have to do it by faith, you keep doing it. I know people who said I do and have stayed, remained true despite years and years of suffering, thinking that they may have picked the wrong person. But you know who the right person for you? There's a myth out there that there's just this one person in seven billion people on the planet. That's the one that's supposed to be for you. You want to know who the one that's supposed to be for you is? The one to whom you said, I do. That's when they became the one for you. You said, I do. Amen. That's who became the one for you. I'm going to confide in you guys and we're going to close. I am not happily married. I am joyfully married. I'm ecstatically married. You know what? Happiness, happiness runs at the first sign of trouble. But joy endures. I am joyfully married. I am glad to be married. My joy is there whether, whether she's acting right or not. And thank goodness her joy is there. <laughs> Staying together, my friends, it's so hard, but it's so worth it. It's, it's, it's hard. I'm not making light of it. Especially for some people. That's why one of the future messages will be about choosing the right spouse. But when you said, I do, they became, he did. <laughs> right? All right, who saw Rocky Balboa? I didn't watch 5, 6, 9, 12. I, didn't, I don't remember how many there was. 
And, but I was, on, I was scanning the channels one day, and the newest Rocky movie came out a couple years ago. It was called Rocky Balboa. And I stopped and I watched it, and I believe it might be my favorite movie of all times. Better than the original Rocky. Sylvester Stallone finally came to his senses, and he began to develop his character again. He developed new characters in it, and he worked the relationship. By the time he got into the ring, there was tears every time that hit old Rocky. I mean, he worked the emotion. The relationships became the primary thing in the movie again. And it was an awesome movie, and I quote it all the time. God would tell you today, life is about relationships. First and foremost with him, but, but with your spouse, secondly. The most important relationship in your life other than Jesus Christ is with your spouse. Your, your kids, they're a temporary assignment. They move on. But your spouse remains. Can I see picture number two again? God's gift to me was that little girl. She has helped me to grow up from that little boy that I was and to become the man that I am becoming today. She is the partner God gave me to do life with. I was so naive back in those marriage pictures. I was so naive. You know, I'm, if I'm honest, I chose to marry her because of the way she looks. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, we got along and all that was fine, but I, when I was scanning the horizons back in them days before I met Jesus, I was looking for the prettiest one. And we pretty much got married because she was so pretty. And, and I'm going to be honest, that song that we played at our wedding, I just kind of liked the music. But as I have grown in the Lord, and I've been married for over 24 years now, those lyrics to that song became so much more important to me. And when I look at Angie, I still think she's pretty. <laughs> Hit it, Kirsty. We said we'd walk together, baby, come what may. See, this is one of those tough times come the twilight, should we lose our way? If as we're walking, a hand should slip free. This would be a good time, gentlemen, for you to slip your hand into your wife's hand. Should I fall behind, wait for me All right, all right Before we travel Bottom side by side We'd help each other Stay in stride But each lover steps fall So differently 
be a good time to look your wife in the eye and say, I ain't going to well, wait for you. If I should fall behind with you. Be a good time for you ladies to look him in the eye and say, You're the man for me. Now everyone dreams of love lasting and true. Oh, but you and I know what this world can do. So let's make our steps clear that the other may see. I'll wait for you, and if I should fall behind, wait for me. All right, back it off, back it off. Somebody go turn around and start kissing each other. So. Now, I have said a lot of hard things today. I have made things black and white. We know life isn't done in the black and white. We know some of you have already had divorces or whatever. We know there's forgiveness. Maybe some of you have had abortions in your life. We know there's, there's forgiveness. God's blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Start over. Well, what we're saying is from this point forward, these things are from this point forward. If, you're not, if your marriage is on the rocks right now, okay, it is what it is. But let's move forward from this point forward. Amen? I was thinking that I wanted to mention that if you have any pictures of you when you were a kid and your spouse when they were a kid, maybe text them to me. And I, we might could play some games with them and try to guess who they are or, or something as we go on in this series. We're going to have a good time, amen? Because we're the fun church. We're the, we're the church with long-lasting relationships, good, strong marriages. Our kids back there are learning to love the Lord so that they can follow in our footsteps. And we can, we can be that example to the world. This is how Christ loves the church. When they see our marriages, they say, hey, how did they do it? Let me tell you about my Jesus, how he pulled everything together for us. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.